Peter's Confession of Christ. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he warned his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Christ. Wonderful. Thank you, Carol, very much indeed. So identity is an important word in our society today. It's a word with a number of different but connected meanings. Your identity can simply be your name or other facts about who you are, but it can also be something about your qualities, what makes you distinctive and what makes you different from other people. I quite like this description that says our identity is our all-encompassing system of memories, experience, feelings, thoughts, relationships and values that define who each of us is. It's the stuff that makes the real self. Identity is a critical component of understanding who we are. And of course the same word is also used in the context of proving who you are. And so we show some documents to prove our identity. They don't say anything about our character. They don't say anything about our memories or our experiences, but they do give, us some, do give away some personal details. And of course, because of that, we also have the language now of identity theft and uh, identity fraud, where someone perhaps has stolen some details about you. And then they will pretend that they are you in order to get, perhaps, access to some benefits of some kind or get at your money. So this word identity is very interesting, isn't it? We use it in a number of different ways. But this morning, I'm not really thinking about the kind of identity that you will find on your passport or on your driving license or whatever, but rather on the broader use of this word as describing who you really are. Much more than your name and date of birth and details of your bank account, it's to do with what actually makes you tick. What defines you? What makes you distinctive and special in this world of so many human beings? Who am I? God is interested in who we really are. And the Bible actually says quite a lot about this. So if we go right back to the beginning of the Bible, if we go back to the book of Genesis, chapter 2, we have a description about the formation of human beings. Genesis 2, verse 7. The Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground, or formed mankind from the dust of the ground. And he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, 
and the man became a living being. That's very interesting. The formation of human life from the dust of the ground. But then the Spirit of God breathed to bring into that life something of God's own being. And so our humanity is such that we were born from the dust of our ground. We belong to the earth. But our spirituality is that the breath of God, the life which comes from God's Spirit, has brought to us that gift of life. And that's in creation. That's in the very formation of human life. A reflection on that in the Psalms, in Psalm chapter 8, uh, Psalm 8 rather, and verse 4. What is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. And this psalm speaks initially about the whole galaxy. And then how when you look at the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and stars that you've established, what are human beings? In the light of the huge vastness of God's creation, who are we? What are we that God should be interested in us, seemingly insignificant compared with the galaxy? And yet of human beings, God has said, that we are crowned with glory and honor. In Job chapter 7, there's a little bit of a dialogue. Some of you might know the book of Job, where there's a dialogue between Job and his friends. And one of his friends has been trying to, to speak to Job. Job has been responding. And in chapter 7, verse 17, Job says, What is man that you make so much of him, that you give him so much attention? Job feeling sorry for himself and then asking God, why do you bother about me? Leave me alone. All my days really have no meaning at all. There are so many other passages that we could quote which express this amazing truth that though we may feel and seem insignificant in this vast world that God has made, nevertheless, he is concerned and interested in each one of us as individual people who each have particular characteristics, distinctive qualities. And indeed, God knows all about us in every circumstance. Now, when we're trying to work out our identity, that process can sometimes be quite tricky. And there are a number of things that we do. Sometimes we put ourselves down. I don't know if any of you are in that kind of situation where you say, I don't really count. Nobody notices me. I'm a very ordinary person. I can't do much in life. And these are the kind of things that we think or we say if we take the, the view that there are lots of other people that are a lot more significant than we are. We put ourselves down. That's not how God sees it. But sometimes we underestimate our identity. We ignore our identity. We brush ourselves, as it were, under the carpet. That's not the way that God wants us to think. Or sometimes we will look to our family or to other people to define who we are. And so you get the example where someone might be say, Oh, are you so-and-so's son or so-and-so's daughter? That sort of thing happened quite a lot to our children when they were growing up. 
And, and sometimes they were described in terms of us, myself and my wife, rather than who they are. But each one is equally important. We're not defined by someone else. We're defined by who we are. Or sometimes we define ourselves by the work that we do. So we say, I'm an accountant or an electrician. That's not really who you are. That's the training and skills that you have and the work that you do. But who you actually are is something deeper. It's very common in my own calling, in ministry. For ministers to feel defined by what we do, it's not the right way to go about things. For myself, I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. That's who I am. And at this point in life, my calling and my work is to be the minister of a local church. That's what I do. But my identity is something deeper than my daily activity. So sometimes we put ourselves down. Sometimes we try and define ourselves in terms of what we do or in terms of how we're related to someone else or, or anything like that. And sometimes these things are by our own choice and sometimes they're because of pressures that are put upon us. There were some wise words from the Irish playwright Oscar Wilde who said, be yourself. Everyone else is taken. Everyone else is taken. So be yourself and we're encouraged to look at our strengths our interests our core values our beliefs and begin to see the kind of person that we are now Jesus asked his disciples a question about his identity that was our reading just now he started by asking them what other people thought about him what was his identity through the eyes of ordinary people who'd heard him speak and see his miracles? And the disciples gave him a few answers. They said, okay, well, there are some, some people who think that uh, you're John the Baptist. There are some people who think you're Elijah or Jeremiah or one of the prophets. I wonder what Jesus thought when he heard those answers from the disciples. That he was being identified with all these different people. Was his identity really to be found in them? Was that actually who he was? That he'd actually uh, come as a, as a sort of visual uh, recreation or reincarnation of those who had been before? Was that actually what was going on? There was an expectation among the Jews that some of the great prophets would come and would present be present in the world as a preparation for the Messiah. And so there was, it wasn't a crazy idea. There was some sense in this, that Jesus was one or other of these people, present again in anticipation of the day when someone very special would come. That was the role of John the Baptist, wasn't it? Preparing the way for the Lord. But actually, Jesus was the Messiah. He was the special person. He wasn't someone else preparing for that special person. And Jesus went on, as you know, to say to the disciples, okay, so who do you say that I am? And Peter responded, without hesitation and very likely on behalf of the others, because I'm sure there have been some conversation before about this. And Peter said, you are the Messiah, 
You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Wow! Here was Jesus' true identity being declared by his disciples. What a revelation. What an amazing thing to say. You're not someone else. You're not in preparation for someone special. You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. That was an immense moment. The truth is that Jesus, of course, already knew who he was. He actually had an amazingly strong sense of his own identity from the very beginning, throughout his life. But he was, of course, drawing out from the disciples how he was being perceived and understood in the world around him and how they were understanding him. And it all happened at Caesarea Philippi which is a lovely, peaceful setting at the foot of Mount Hermon. But interestingly, it's also the place where there is a shrine to the god Pan, who was the god who was perceived to be the god of all people in all places. And under that shrine, by the waterfall, in the peacefulness of this beautiful setting at Caesarea Philippi, Peter, on behalf of the other disciples, said, You are the Christ the Son of the living God. We have seen who you really are. Now comes the crunch. And if you've stayed with me this far, well done in following our thinking about our own identity, beginning to explore the identity of Jesus as he asks these questions. What happens next is so very important. Jesus affirmed Peter's response indeed as being true and brought blessing to him for the insight that was given to him but then immediately after that Jesus spoke to Peter in his identity and said Peter you are the rock and on this rock I will build my church it doesn't really matter whether Peter was previously known only as Simon or as Simon Peter but in this moment Jesus declares Peter to be the rock. The rock of faith and a foundation for future generations. We really need the rest of the New Testament to understand all that that means. But the point for today is that once Peter recognized the true identity of Jesus, he was then shown his own true identity. And that's what's so important for us today. When we see who Jesus really is, through his eyes, we can begin to see who we really are. And this sermon series is all about discovering the real Jesus. And the real Jesus is a Jesus that makes a difference to us. He's not just a character in history that's written about in the Bible that we sing about on Sundays. Jesus is someone who makes a difference. And that's why we're coming back again and again to think about who Jesus really is and why we're wanting to discover more about him. The real Jesus is not a prophet, although he speaks with prophetic insight. The real Jesus is not a wonderful example of a good person, although he lived and demonstrated excellence all the time. The real Jesus is the Son of God, the saviour of the world who came to redeem mankind, 
and through whom we can see who we really are and who God wants us to become. And through the eyes of Jesus, you can see your true identity. Going further on in the New Testament, we have some amazing words in Colossians 3 and verses 1 to 3. And this is someone speaking about faith, uh, the Apostle Paul writing to a young church in Colossae, people who had come to believe in Jesus. And he says, so if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died, and here it is, your life is hidden with Christ in God. Here is your identity, that your life is hidden with Christ in God. So this is what happens. Jesus, the Son of God, came to the came to us and lived among us and died for us. And in that moment when Jesus died, he took upon himself all the wrong that we have ever done, carried it with him to the cross, offered his life so that we can be forgiven in the presence of God today. And he invites us now to recognize his true identity, to see him as he really is, the Son of God, the Messiah, the Redeemer, the one who has come to save, the one who's come to bring new life and to trust him with our lives. This is the Christian gospel. This is what Jesus calls us to do. And then we're held by Jesus in the presence of God. And so emerges our true identity as a child of God. And in the Christian community, that's who we really are, children of God. That's where we belong, in the family of God. And that is our primary identity. And just as he spoke to Peter in that moment, so Jesus wants to speak to you and to me this morning. And say, whatever else you think about yourself, this is who you are first and foremost. You're a child of God. You've been gathered into the kingdom of God by believing in Jesus Christ. And you are part of his family. And from that place, we then begin to see the other things that are true about us. That God has imprinted upon us and made part of our life. And that will be different for every person. Because in the wonder and the beauty of God's creation, each individual is different. Fingerprinting is part of the process that is sometimes used to check your identity. Sometimes at border controls, you're given a machine that will take an image of your fingerprint. Because it is unique to you. I found this image especially helpful in thinking about who I am in the light of Jesus. And uh, it's just uh, bring this image on the screen. Not my fingerprint, but it is a fingerprint. And the cross is hidden behind it. Because your life is hidden with Christ in God. And that is who you really are. 
You are a child of God. Today, if you are trusting in Jesus Christ, that is who you are. You are loved by Jesus. And you're called to be part of his community of faith. So here we are, gathered together today. And there's an important reason why we are together. Because God calls us to be part of this community of faith. Those of you who are physically in the building today, those of you who are online, who are every bit as part of the community gathered this morning. And we're gifted to serve. There are those things that God is calling you and I to do within his kingdom. And we're able to live confidently and effectively as a child of God. Protected by the armor of God. Filled with the spirit of God. Have a purpose and a direction looking forward to our destiny in God which is in heaven. And no matter where you might have come from, what your background circumstances might be, no matter what you might, others might consider you as being able to do or not able to do or anything like that. Your true identity is as a child of God. And your gifting emerges from that. And your life is significant in the kingdom of God. So who is Jesus? He is the key. He is the Messiah. He is the one that matters above all else. And because of who he is, you and I today can truly be children of God, such that this is our true identity. And with the mark of the cross and the life of Jesus, we continue to live effectively as children of God in the world today.